It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10 3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the field. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is going to be a blast. Ian Kinsler is joining me. The guy is an absolute stud. I got to know him from his time in Detroit, but he played many, many years in Texas with the Tigers, won a World Series with the Red Sox, and he's now involved with a bat company called Warstick, which is awesome. I have swung it myself. He's been involved there for a long time, but man, has it changed big time. So this is going to be a blast of a conversation. I'm excited to talk to him all about his career. I'm sure he won't love it, but the 2011 World Series was one of the best of all time talking to him about that. So without further ado, let's welcome him in now, Ian Kinsler. All right, I am pumped to be joined now by Ian Kensler, stud baseball player for many years, one of the greats, also co-owner of Warstick. We're going to get all into that. We're going to talk about his career. Ian, I'm pumped to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see you, too. Yeah, you too, dude. So I want to start first with, with your baseball career, and one of the things that's right around the corner is the World Baseball Classic. And if I'm not mistaken... You're going to manage in it this year for Team Israel. You played in it the last time we had it, I think, in 2017. So World Baseball Classic, your opinion around it, how awesome is it as a player to play in this event? Well, to have the experience of playing in it in 2017 and then winning it with Team USA, was it was a tremendous experience. It's very much playoff, a playoff atmosphere. Um it means so much to the players when they wear the jerseys of their, you know, their their home country uh, or whoever they're representing. It just means so much to them. And and to be a part of it, to experience it, the, the energy, the environment was just incredible. And it's really, you know, it's, uh, the WBC is really, really taken hold and the players have taken notice. And, and you see that by who's signing up to play for Team USA and the Dominican and Puerto Rico and, and Venezuela. Um it's just star studded. So it's, it's a great tournament. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people paying attention to it. And now you're going to be managing in it for team Israel. Are you nervous to, to, to be a manager? I don't, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to expect. Uh, I'm sure the itch will be there to, to grab a bat and try to jump in the box, but, uh, managing is a different perspective. And, you know, hopefully I have some guys around me with some experience. I asked Brad Awesomeness. I asked Jerry and Aaron to be a part of it. Uh, Kevin Euclid is going to be the hitting coach. So there's going to be some guys with some some great experience that uh, I can lean on a little bit. And I just think it's going to be a great tournament, super fun. You know, it's, it's a sprint. It's like a two-week tournament at max. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome, man. You might need to, you might need to strap it on and play for your squad because, Ian, <laughs> you were – you were an all-time great man. You were so good and multi-time all-star, multi-time gold glove winner. And it was always so fun watching you from afar. And then obviously you end up in Detroit and getting to know you and see your career play out there. And, you know, you, you played for a long time. And I think you debuted back in 2006, I think it is. And your first at bat, I want to ask you about that because your first at bat is off of Kurt Schilling. I mean, what do you remember about that day, that experience, and finally becoming a big leaguer? I mean, I just remember my knees shaking. You know, everyone says it, but it's true. Your knees are just, 
but you can't, you can't control it. It's <laughs> you, you, you go through your whole routine that you're used to. You step out of the box. Uh, you take a couple deep breaths. You try to stick to the routine as best you know it. Try to get rid of the nerves and they just, they won't go away. Um, and then obviously facing Kurt Schilling the night before I didn't sleep much, just kind of dreaming and, and, you know, visualizing what that was going to be like. Um, it didn't help much. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nerves were still there, but, uh, you know, it turned the first at bat turned out to be successful. So, um, it's something I'll never forget. I, I actually, there's two outs and I got my hit. Um, the next batter flew out to the outfield. And so I was running the bases with two outs, got past third base. Kurt Schilling was walking off the field and said, Hey, way to go, kid. You know, like a, like a super bad move. Um, so that, it's something I'll, I'll always remember. That's really cool. So you're in, you played in Texas for a long time. And one of my favorites to ever watch play the game was Adrian Beltre. And you got to play with him for a few years there. Your career has overlapped. I need to know the whole, one of the things we hear about Adrian Beltre, aside from the fact that he's a great baseball player is that he hates his head being rubbed. How true is that? Was that an actual thing that everybody really was conscious about? Yeah, that's an actual thing. Everyone was con cautious, uh, very cautious when it came to touching Adrian. Elvis, <laughs> Elvis had it down. I mean, he was the king of ripping that helmet off, getting a little head rub and getting out of there as fast as possible. So uh, Elvis was the king. He, he was the guy to always take the chance. And he got slugged a couple times. But um, yeah, Adrian, Adrian hated that. How much do you learn from a guy like that, an all-time great? You come in as a rookie and you get to play alongside him for a few years. I mean, how much, how much, how beneficial was Adrian Beltre to your career? He was super beneficial. At, at that time, we were, you know, kind of close to the same same level. Obviously, we were playing in the same infield. Um, you know, Adrian's a Hall of Famer and, and a perennial All-Star, so he was obviously a little, little bit above me as far as that goes but i've just learned honestly defensively so much from him um he always seemed to be standing in the right spot he always seemed to be making the right plays and i was constantly trying to pick his brain about it and and honestly he was the first so i, I grew up playing shortstop was turned into a second baseman and he was the first one to tell me like it's okay to move back on the ball i was always a guy to attack the ball and move forward um and I asked him after one season, I said, Hey, what, what would, what should I work on this offseason? There's one thing that you see that's glaring. Uh, what would it be? What would you tell me? And he said, you need to practice moving back um, away from the ball to get a better hop because you have so much time at second base. And I mean, it sounds so simple, but um, usually the hall of famers are able to keep it simple and, and still perform at a high level. So that's his advice to you as a second baseman, because you have so much time there to get a guy at first that, you, you could afford the time to step back and make it easier on yourself so to do that. Right. And I, my arm was, was pretty good. I mean, I played shortstop, so my arm was, you know, probably a borderline average, maybe plus like a little bit better than average at shortstop. I didn't have like a bazooka, right. but it was good enough to make plays at second base and, and move back on the ball and give yeah. myself a little bit more of a chance with range. Cool. Uh, this one might be hard for you to talk about, but 2011, one of the greatest, one of the greatest World Series of all time. Um, objectively, I'm sure you can agree, but it's probably uh, tough in your memory. But what what do you remember about that World Series when you look back about playing in it? The David Freeze in Game Six. What were your thoughts, your emotions 
when that happened. What is the locker room like after that game six loss? I mean, when you look back on 2011, what are your thoughts? I don't really like to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it was, it, it was historic. I mean, it was, it's one of the greatest world series of all time. And uh, we ended up on the wrong side of it, but the locker room was, it was intense. It was uh, very, very tension, tension filled. Um, you know, they were trying to get the champagne out as quick as possible. The locker rooms were getting, you know, the stuff to protect the locker rooms. Oh no, the lockers that was still up and y'all got back in there. Yeah. There's like <laughs> half of them were still up and they were trying to tear them down. And like, it was, it was pretty intense, but um, that team was really good at moving on quickly. Uh, and we all understood that, that there's still another game to be played. Yeah. I mean, game six was a freeze game and there was still another game in game seven. We felt like we were the better team up to that point. Uh, we'd been so good with adversity that whole year. We had so much character on that team that we were able to move past that and get, get ready for game seven. And they just beat us in game seven. I yeah. think game six is obviously the, the historic game and the game that everyone remembers, but, um, you know, game seven was was more of a of just a regular ball game. They just beat us. And, you know, we were ready to play. Uh, Ron Washington had us ready and and that was it. They they took it to us. I love Ron. What a great guy. How awesome was it playing for Ron Washington? He's the best. He was so perfect for that club. Uh, you know, every every spring training he had part of his speech, every spring training, he would say to the team, he'd say, as long as the. He said, this is your locker room. You guys do whatever you want in the locker room. As long as the fire department and the police department doesn't come in here, we're good. <laughs> so that was that was his speech to the club every year. And he, he let us do our thing. Um, he loved baseball. He was always ready, always prepared every day. And yeah, he was perfect for that club. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I always loved watching him manage, seeing his emotion in the dugout when something would go great. He'd like hit the railing. It was so cool. Uh, I think it. I think at one point in your career, you played for a short amount of time for Buck Showalter, right? Is that true? So yeah. now, my, my rookie. that's right. So Justin is now in New York where Buck is, and I've heard nothing but great things about him. But from your perspective, Buck Showalter as a manager, what do you have to say about him? As a manager, he will present things to you that you've never thought about. Um, he knows the ins and outs of baseball better than anyone that I've I've ever been around. He knows every rule. He knows how to manipulate the rules. He knows uh, how to prepare for certain situations that you think would never come up in a baseball game. And for some reason, they just happen to come up. Um, he He's just highly intelligent when it comes to baseball. And I still communicate with him. Uh, about rules of the game and things that have happened. I don't know if you remember last year, there was the, I think Scherzer was going for his, what was it, his 200th win or 300th win, something like that, mm -hmm. in uh, in Yankee Stadium. And there was that crazy play with Rizzo. Um, it was like a, yeah, yeah, play, yeah. Like he stepped off to try to, to try to appeal the play at third and Rizzo took off the second. Um, and there was this big, big controversy. And so I text Buck and said, hey, what are the rules? That was a bad idea because then it's like a 45 minute conversation on one rule. Um, but yeah, Buck, Buck is super intelligent and he, he's a great manager. <laughs> That's awesome. I do. I do remember that play because it was wild because basically Rizzo took off so that they would go tag him and then the appeal would be null and void and the run would count. But they got him out, right? That play. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was wild. Uh, 2013, you're involved in a huge trade. Uh, you've been with the Rangers your entire career. You're involved in a blockbuster. That's how you end up in Detroit playing for the Detroit Tigers. As a, as a guy that had played your whole career in Texas and come up, you know, like through that system, what is it like being traded at that point in your career in such a big trade like that? What do you remember about the day you got traded? Uh, it was pretty emotional. Like you said, I was drafted by the Rangers. Uh, it felt like a second family to me. I loved playing for the Rangers. And, you know, it felt, it felt a little like betrayal. And, you know, I I'm, I'm, was pretty emotional in the media and probably said some things that, that I regret now that I didn't, you know, didn't really think through. But that's how I felt at the time. And, um, you know, I let, it, I let it be known. But then moving to Detroit was a blessing for me and my family. I mean, it kind of, you know, jump-started my career again. I was not – I did not play well for the Rangers in 13 and, um, you know, kind of opened my eyes a little bit to and, – and a little bit more of self-reflection on what I need to improve on, what I need to get better at. And then obviously going to a team with just a stacked roster, a team that won the division three years in a row um, – it was, it was a perfect place for me. And, and I loved my four years there. My family loved my, four, you know, the four years there and um, you know, Detroit was special. I wish I could have stayed there longer for sure. How looking back, I mean, I look at, I look at some of those teams of old and you were a part of them. Like how crazy is it looking back being a part of a team with Miggy, Justin, Max, Victor, Tori Hunter, yourself, like, was that, the greatest team you've ever played on? <laughs> uh, looking back, it's pretty darn close. I mean, we, we had Nick Castellanos and J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Was awesome. Um, you know, Miggy, Victor. We had uh, – our rotation was like uh, Ver, Ver, Justin, Max, uh, Parcello, um, I think like David Price, Annabelle Sanchez, Jesus. something like that. Like it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, that was a, that was a very talented team. And we got, we got swept in the first round of the playoffs in 14 and, um, you know, never really had a chance to, to kind of get into a rhythm in the postseason. We, we weren't playing well going in and that first series against Baltimore was tough, but that team talent wise was, was up there with the best I've been a part of. I remember it well, the Delman Young bases loaded. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> um, when you look back on your career, Ian, you've had uh, you had a great career, and it was kind of you know you were in Texas, Detroit, and then at the end you were at multiple places. When you look back on your great career, what is what what would you say is the favorite moment of your baseball career? Hmm, I don't know. That's tough. I think the pinnacle of baseball is always winning the World Series. So, 2018. I was traded from Anaheim to Boston in the middle of the season and just got to join that roller coaster ride, that that just magical season in Boston and and win a World Series with the Red Sox in 18. That was uh that was a special run. That team was incredible. Just nothing went nothing went wrong really. And, and when it did, it, it always seemed to turn um the next inning so quickly to a positive for for that team. It was just a magical run and to be a part of it and, and to reach the pinnacle of the sport was, was super special. Who is the toughest pitcher that you ever faced? Oh, I hate this question. Cause it's like, it, it could be anybody, you know, like any given night, if a guy's on, it's just so hard to hit in the big leagues. Um, 
but the guy that always had my number who just broke so many of my bats was Corey Kluber. He, he really dominated me. And I, I can remember one time he had my number so bad that I swear he was doctoring the ball. He was cheating or something was happening. So I just, he punched me out for however many times in a row. And I just off the, walking off the field, I'm just like screaming at him to quit cheating, you know, quit cheating. And, and, uh, Perez was behind the plate and, and Kluber was on the mound. They were both kind of just staring at me like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, but he had my number. He, he owned me. That's incredible. Uh, so now you're, you're done playing now, but you still work in baseball or special assistant for the Padres. Your exact title is what special assistant for baseball operations and player development. Big title. Yeah, it's a long one. It's a long, a long title. One. Um, but the Padres, I mean, how cool is it for you being at least a part of an organization that appears to be so committed to winning these days? I mean, what are your thoughts on what the Padres are doing right now? It's incredible. And I don't know the last time you were in that stadium, but it is electric in there. It's Playoffs sold out this year. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. The place is a place is in, in a great, great spot. The city's in a great spot as far as baseball is concerned. And, you know, it, it was always the player would always say, let's say five years ago, would always say, man, San Diego would be such a great place to play, but they, the product on the field just, just wasn't quite competitive enough to, to draw people there. Um, and AJ and, and Peter Seidler have really turned that thing around and uh, brought in so much talent and, and obviously bringing in Bob Melvin has kind of just solidified everything. And, you know, Peter just, just wants a championship for that city so bad. And, and the moves that they're making obviously shows that. So to be a part of that, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, and it makes conversations a lot easier when you're talking about free agents and roster construction, when you know, the yeah. owner's all in, so it's, it's a, it's a really fun place to be. I don't know where you're at physically these days, but with all this money getting thrown around in free agency, <laughs> it's gotta be tempting to come back. <laughs> Yeah, it's tempting in my wildest dreams. I, I mean, I haven't picked up anything heavier in a fungo in a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking of bats, you know, we got to talk about Warstick. You're co-owner of, of Warstick. You've partnered with Ben Jenkins and, and Jack White. And I guess my first question to you would be, how did this all come to be? What made you want to be involved with a, a bat company? Uh, it kind of all happened organically. I mean, I met been through a friend of a friend in 2015 and you know as a professional player a bat is very difficult to make you you know you can tell the difference between a, a really good quality bat and one that's just a little off and and doesn't feel right the weight's not right and it's it's pretty obvious right away when you pick it up and when i met ben um I, I love the character and I love the logo. Super simple. Um, you know, aesthetically speaking, it's, it's a great looking brand. Yeah. Uh, and then it just came down to the product and picking up the bat. I was like, man, this is, this feels really good. Let me, let me go to the cage and check this thing out. And uh, you know, the first day that I hit with it, I couldn't really tell the difference between, you know, the bat that I was using the previous se season and this new war stick bat. Um, and we just kind of hit it off from there. And then getting Jack involved was, was a little unusual. Yeah. Uh, he's a huge, he's a huge baseball fan, baseball historian, really. And he's from Detroit, huge Detroit Tigers fan. So I met him uh, in a spring training while I was playing for the Tigers. And 
Ben was giving me this whole pitch about Warstick, and he just happened to mention Jack's name in this pitch. And I said, hey, I know Jack. Let me see how interested he is in this company and emailed him. And he he hit me right back. And the next, I think, in the next week, me and Ben flew to Nashville and, uh, you know, pitched to him to become an investor along with me. And that that's that's how it all happened. It happened really quick. Um, and it's, it's us three and it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy process and it's been a lot of fun to learn about, you know, business side of things. And then also, you know, have that business be part of baseball. So it's, it's been a lot of fun being part of that, that company and, and representing Warstick for sure. I think I remember right after, cause you were still playing when you started using Warstick and, and partnered yeah. there, correct? So I think I remember a spring training when you started using it and then Jack came down to Lakeland and like performed in the clubhouse or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you there for that? <laughs> I was there. I, I was, I wasn't in the clubhouse for it, but I was there when he was talking to everybody and uh, apparently he performed and everybody loved it. <laughs> yeah. He went straight acoustic. They had a, they had all kinds of weird instruments in there and they were performing off all, all these old school songs. They were like, like covering some songs and Jack played a, cover, uh, a couple of his own songs. It was, it was pretty cool in the, in the Tigers clubhouse. It was, uh, I know he, he really appreciated it. He had a blast doing it and it was, it's cool when that happens in spring training, when something like that happens, it's always, always, you know, breaks up the day and, and uh, gives you something to talk about for the next week. Were you nervous at all to use? Cause you, you, when you became part of that company, you, took control of it and you used the bats in major league baseball. Were you at all nervous to, to make the switch from whatever you used to use? I, was it Marucci? Did you swing Marucci? It was Louisville. You said to make the switch from Louisville to Warstick in actual games. Were you nervous to do that? Or were you that comfortable with the bat? I was a little nervous at first. I, you know, they were able to copy my Louisville pretty much exact. Um, and then I was able to use it that off season before spring training started and make sure that I felt comfortable with it. Uh, but then taking it into a game, it's always a little yeah. different. You just don't know how to perform in the, in the cage. You know, um, it's just different than, than taking it into the game. And when I, I just remember my first at bat, when I walked up, I, I honestly couldn't tell the difference between the feels of my Louisville the year before and the war stick. And then my first at bat, I got a hit, but it just snapped my bat in half. Oh, no. I, I did myself and just broke my bat and like hit this little blooper over the pitcher's head and beat it out at first and I was like I don't know if that's good or bad I mean <laughs> I'm on first but uh but but from that point that point forward it, I was pretty comfortable with it and it was it was a pretty easy transition what's the process like is it an easy process to get a bat approved for major league baseball because you can't just go up there and swing anything and obviously I think were you the first guy to ever swing war stick in major league baseball yeah so what's that process yes. like of getting it approved it can't be easy no, it's not easy. I mean, MLB, uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty strict on on who they allow to be approved with with equipment that goes onto the field and the insurance and and being approved by MLBs. It's a tough thing. You have to go through this whole process where they test your bats and um, you know look at the paint, look at the coating that you're using. They they do all kinds of things. How how deep the cup is at the top. Um, just what the handle looks like. There's all kinds of things that you, that you have to do to get approved. But uh, once you get approved every year, you kind of have to take just little steps to make sure that, that, that you stay that way. Um, you know, but it, it, it's not as bad as you would think, I guess, but there are definitely hoops that you have to jump through when it comes to getting equipment on the field. 
What would you say makes Warstick different? Like, what sets you guys apart from every other bat company out there? I think it's just the feeling of, of what you feel when you use the bat and the messaging that we use. Um, you know, our message is it's not the weapon, it's the warrior. And I think that's so true, especially when you look at youth sports or even big league guys, it's all wood, right? It's There's not that big of a difference between one wood bat and another wood bat. And same with youth sports. Like there's not that big of a difference between one aluminum bat and another aluminum bat. They're all pretty much made at the same factory. Um, and th the differences are so slight. It's like, it's like NASCAR racing. So, you know, our message is that it's not necessarily the bat. It's the, the person holding the bat and the mindset of that person. Um, and so there's, there's a feeling that goes into the bat. And I think that's what, that's what makes us different. I think people really, you know, really gravitate towards that really love that and um it, it seems to be working it's it's been a lot of fun i will say one the logo is sick and i went on the website last night and watched the i think the video is like the war stick creed right so i'm watching this video <laughs> the uniforms are sick the logo is so sick the video is sick. i wanted to run through a brick wall after watching this because like you said they're all like it's your whole thing is it's the warrior, not the or it's the you know, it's the warrior, not the weapon. And then they're all talking about like going to war with the war stick. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to play again. Like, give me back and give me back in the batter's box. It's all it's all pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, Ben, Ben uh, and Christine are the two people that run the company pretty much. Uh, Mike Butler also. But they they just do an incredible job of marketing and, and the ideas that they have, the videos that, that we shoot the conversations that we have, it's more about the mental side of the game and, and the grit and the, you know, we have a shirt that just says grit on it. We have a shirt that just says battle on it. Um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to in, in sports, you know, that nowadays analytics and track man and, and all these different numbers that you can look at and get spit at. And people are trying to, you know, hit like Aaron judge and do all this different stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, um, it just comes down to grit and, and what, what you are capable of doing with your mind and, and uh, mental toughness is, is so important, at least in our opinion. And, you know, that's kind of how, that's kind of how we attract people and, and what we lean on. Are there current big leaguers that swing it? There are, I mean, Justin Upton swing it, swing bat. Um, he just, I don't know if he officially retired, but I think he's pretty much done. <laughs> Um, and then we've had so many people swing it off and on. I mean, Josh Donaldson swung it, Brett, uh, Bryce Harper swung it, Miguel uh, Cabrera swung it, Nick Cassiano swung it for a while. And that's the thing when you ask me about the switch from Louisville to Warstick with big league guys, you really got to get them in the offseason. It's hard to get a guy in the season change bats just because yeah. if they've got a good feeling with a certain bat, if they've had a couple of good games with it, it's really hard to get a guy to switch. They might they might take it out there for a couple games, um, but we you know we've had a lot of guys use use the bat in the big leagues and um, you know right now it's it's kind of what we're doing is just kind of feeling it out letting guys use it and and hopefully some of these guys love it. How since you've been involved with the company, how have you seen it evolve from day one of you being there to where it is now? How has Warstick changed? Well, when I first got involved with it, Ben was running it out of his basement. You know, I, he was just literally family operated. Um, I would go to his house and go down to his basement. He had all the shirts and the batting gloves and the bats down there. And that was where he's storing everything. Uh, and now we have our own headquarters in Deep Elm in Dallas. And That's we have, so a, you know, 
a, a wood bat shop. You can go watch a wood bat get get made and paint it, uh, custom paint it any way you want. We have a coffee shop and a batting cage. We got a speakeasy down in the basement, so Sick. you can have band. Uh, you Jack White opened a show down there. Like it's it, the progression of the, of the company. It started out just as a wood bat company when I when I first invested in it, and now we have you know aluminum bats. We got surfboards, pickleball rackets. Uh, we have incredible glove fielding gloves. Um, you know, there's uh, fly rods, like all the lacrosse. That's lacrosse so sticks. cool. Yeah, all kinds of different things that that you know Ben has now developed. So it's it's been a crazy process, but it's been a fun one. I gotta get down there soon to check out the new spot. When I come down to Dallas, I'm coming. Yeah, let me know. Absolutely, we'll have you down there for sure. Uh, you need to before we finish up. You got to tell the story you were telling me right before we started of the Sandlot games that you guys play. I think it was once a year and uh jack playing baseball it was all so cool so what it's once a year you guys have like a sandlot pickup game basically uh once a year in dallas like so so normally we try to follow around jack's touring schedule Mm -hmm. um he tours worldwide but when he's in the states we'll try to line up a a war stick sandlot game the day before his show or the day of his show but during during the day We'll play the worst. We'll play the Sandlot game, and then that night we'll invite the other team and everybody to come to the to oh, Jack's that's so concert. That's so cool. But yeah, but he he loves it. Um, he loves baseball, like we said. And his his position is first base. He's got to be hitting third. You know, he's got <laughs> to be, be hitting third. I can't imagine his swing is the best out there. He he's figured out a way to make solid contact every time. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the best swing, but like he's figured out a way to do it. That's that's kind of what Jack does. He he just figure out a way to make make something work. Um, I don't know if you've seen him like nail in wires into into a wooden pole and make a guitar out of it. Like this this guy just figures out ways to make to make things work, and that's kind of how his baseball swing is. He's he, he'll find the barrel every time, and then at first base, he rarely drops the ball. Like. He, he, he does a good job out there. It's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, these, these sandlot games, we have pictures and videos and stuff and, and uh, you know, we get pretty good crowds out there. We'll have a live band like Jack's band will play during the game. We'll have them behind home plate and it's, it, you know, bring out some good food, good food, good music. Usually a lot of people show up. So it's, it's a fun experience. That's really cool. Did you ever imagine your life would lead you to, being involved in a bat company with a Grammy award-winning musician. <laughs> no, never, never, never thought that. Incredible. Um, well, Ian, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a blast. Um, everybody should go check out war stick. I swung it every once in a while in spring training. It's great. Uh, so awesome that it's going so well. I'm definitely coming when I come down to Dallas, I'm coming in, but, uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. You're always a friend of the pod now and, uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, Ben. Thanks and good luck in the man. WBC. That's right. right. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. See ya. All right. I just wanted to thank Ian again for joining me. What a blast. That was great. I was cracking up, especially when he was telling the story about facing Corey Kluber and he just screamed at him to stop cheating because he, because he couldn't hit him. That was great. But everybody should check out Warstick as well. If you play baseball, check it out. They really are. They truly are great bats. Like I said, I used them sometimes in spring training and it really is a great feel to it. So if you play baseball, check out Warstick. And apparently if you surf, fish, whatever you do.
check it out. But that was a blast. Really awesome talking to him. And like I said, I got to know him from his time in Detroit when, when Justin was there. And he's just such a great dude. And you could obviously tell that from just listening to him. So I wanted to thank him again. And thank you all for listening. Make sure wherever you're listening, you hit the subscribe button. Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. Subscribe to Flippin' Bats. It's free. It's easy. And it helps. So do it. And also follow along on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And you can watch every single episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. This one has been a blast. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.